0: Beep. Mm-hmm. Tuesday the 12th, 11 a.m. local time for anybody that's joining us. Uh, we have a round table here uh, with all kinds of uh, uh, Citrix professionals and, uh, and, and people in the industry. So uh, we're really happy to have anybody uh, that's joining us live as well as listening in on the
1: podcast. Uh, let's go ahead and go around the room. Steve? Hey, Steve Greenberg here. Uh, I guess we'll do our Twitter handles, at Steve Greenberg. There you go. We're joined by Roy.
2: Special guest. Roy Takeshi, and my handle is R.A. Takeshi.
3: There you go. Joe? Joe Shonk, and uh handle is at Joe Shonk, F-H-O-N-K. Now we're about to break the pattern. I was going to say, am I the only one that's <laughs> yes, creative here? You are. <laughs> <is> Chris Rogers, <laughs> Citrix Jedi. Mr. <Mister> Citrix Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if Citrix changes Eduardo. the name? or something?
0: No, Eduardo Molina at Molly
4: Cop. So. At right. Mollycop. Yeah.
0: yeah, we have a special guest with us, uh, Eduardo, as well as Roy. haven't joined us before. And,
5: uh, and go ahead, Alex. Uh, Alexander Ervik Johnson. My Twitter handle is at Ervik. Antoine?
6: Hey, guys. Anton Van Pelt, and my Twitter handle is at Anton Van Pelt, so my full name.
7: All right. And Mike? Hello, Mike Nelson, and my Twitter handle is at Nel Media. Well, I think we,
0: uh, we've we broken a record, this podcast, this is the most hosts we've ever had on a single podcast. It's amazing so. what
7: happens when you get everyone
8: in the same location. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> it's Las
0: Vegas that helps.
8: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have only
6: four mics.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, with it being Las Vegas, I'm sure everybody's exhausted from late nights out, but we will uh, do our best to keep it entertaining. Um, and you know another thing for this podcast this is going to be very Citrix centric um, for this particular podcast a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're at summit um, so we're going to be talking about things that were publicly announced at uh, by Citrix this week um, we're going to be tiptoeing around the NDA line to uh, make sure we're not sharing anything that's um, not been publicly disclosed um, but I think so far it's been a really good weekend uh, I came in on Friday uh, the partner technical expert council was over the weekend it's just been a very long weekend and into the week, so
1: sure any any thoughts? Well, just a couple of thoughts. This is a more partner-focused event, so it will be a Citrix discussion, as you said, Dane, because that's what we're here doing, partner-focused. And um, we've invited Roy Takeshi, our favorite Citrix engineer ever, to act as the NBA gatekeeper um, so that we don't say anything we shouldn't. But the ultimate irony there is Roy's has the Lifetime Achievement Award for it. Um, the most likely to be fired at any moment for what he said publicly. <laughs> so he's our kind of guy. <laughs> so how does that make you
2: feel, Roy? Well, I guess <laughs> the mate is running the asylum today. <laughs> Luckily, Twitter, uh, uh, LinkedIn is updated. So I guess yeah, sure. <laughs> and your resume is already flushed <laughs> up. Yeah, it's going to be a long week, I think. Sorry, honey, I might be looking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. You're in good company with the inmates, so... <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Any any other thoughts? Uh, any Anything interesting over the weekend or uh, things that you guys have uh,
1: taken away so far? Well, the best thing I saw so far is, has to be Ruth is up oh, Ruth. Roy is manning the booth um, at Citrix, and it, you go in and you create a little Lego avatar of yourself. And yeah. You go through all the stations, and on his free time, he created a Lego chess set, full- how many pieces are in the chess set? Uh, Thirty-two. He's got a lot of free time, <laughs> and uh, I thought that was really awesome. So check Twitter for that; it's out there. That's like geek cred and a half, right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the uh, as a partner, because I am a CTP uh, a consultant integrator, but also uh, half a Citrix partner company. Yep. I think that um, you know this was important on that side of the table mm-hmm. to see where Citrix is going and what they have to say, and I've been. I um, tend to be a vocal person, good, bad, whatever. whatever no, you know, what are you is What on. <laughs> and, uh, and I have to say that I actually really liked what I heard. I think Citrix is doing a lot of things right after some sketchy patches and well, uh, good things. You know, good they keep are they keep tweeting the hashtag Citrix Partner Love,
8: and you know, there's a part of me that thinks that's awfully contrived. Um, but then there's another part of me, after having seen the keynotes, after having talked personally to Kimberly, and Kimberly is an awesome person, I have to say, mm-hmm. that, you know, I get this real sense from her that she means what she says. And, and I'm optimistic about that. I agree.
2: I think there's been a lot of positive changes, and, you know, I'm the first to, to say that we have opportunities to improve. <laughs> 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 so I, I, you know, I I agree. I, yeah, you know, I, I think there's there's some good stuff that's about to happen.
3: I do want to put out there though that it's one thing to say, you know, Citrix loves partners, but it's also another thing to actually go out and execute and love the partners. Right? Joe wants a hug. Is I, how I interpret that? <laughs> exactly. We need Citrix <laughs> so to come. And and we yeah.
0: want a big hug, you know,
3: not the two-second hug, but the five-second hug. Oh, well, you <laughs> want the elongated hug? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, anyway. The uncomfortable so, one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah. the uncomfortably yeah. long one? <laughs> uh, oh, almost,
0: yeah, <laughs> much. Well, we, we don't want to leave you guys out on the on the uh, phone, but what do you think? Do you think Citrix needs to go around giving free hugs?
6: Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I I I like the message what was brought with the cloud platform cell or the the cell what is in progress now that Citrix plan to focus on the core. So what they said, XenApp, XenDesktop, and Desktop, uh, Xen Mobile, ShareFile, Netscale. So we were
0: just talking about hugs, Anton. You don't need to get all serious <laughs> on us. <this>. Jeez. <laughs> talk about a well, hugs, uh, and you just jump right into ShareFile
2: and Xen Mobile. He's afraid that the hugs <laughs> are going to come from me. So <laughs> in his defense, <laughs> I can understand. You asked me to
6: it. be serious, then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's true. I guess it's my own
1: fault. But that's a good segue into um, the key message we heard was focus. And it didn't sound like, to me, a typical corporate buzzword. I think we all know that Citrix has um, done a lot of acquisitions and a lot of product branches. And the message is clear, the divesting of some product, even selling sub-companies and focusing on the core. And it's a real thing. It's not just a blah, blah, blah. And it's very exciting because when you look at the announcements they're making in the core, you're seeing some really mind blowing stuff. So the one that jumps out, I'm going ahead, but we'll just go freeform, is you know, NetScaler running on containers. Like yeah. that is freaking cool. That is awesome. And the Netscaler presentation just this morning, pretty much right before we came up here, was going through all the DevOps models, the revenue growth, um, you know, the existing customers that are operations and the new emerging things and I don't, that just signals to me like they get it now and we're moving in the right direction. So you're talking about a leading ADC that's going to run fully native in in a DevOps container environment. I don't know, that one just jumps out to me as like... Yeah,
7: if I could, I want to make a comment on that. Um, You know, and, and I've stated my position on this before, but I'm not seeing the... The draw for this net scalar container thing. Okay, I understand the concept. I understand. And a comment was made today during the keynote that, you know, we're the only one doing this. Okay. Well, there may be a reason why you're the only one doing it. Um, F5 has attempted to do it in the past, and F5 backed away from it because they didn't find any value to it. So, you know, these are things that you have to look at. I understand what they're trying to accomplish. I'm just not exactly sure they're going about it the right way to going the whole down the whole DevOps is they're talking about I mean the comment made in the keynote today was oh if I'm an IT guy I can give my developers a pre-configured NetScaler and they can just plug it in and do their thing in the real world it's not that easy <laughs> Well, but the second
1: half was he said it goes the other way the traditional operations guy can configure the NetScaler and give it to the developer.
7: So you're telling me that you can get a typical operations guy to understand how to configure a Netscaler? Well, that's uh, a Eduardo
4: was the first, <laughs> so let him jump in here. I, I, I see right now the cycle of developing to production, we put a load balancer in front, is a little bit difficult because now the developer has finished developing. Now you have to test, hey, how uh, is my load is going to affect that application? So the way I saw it, I thought that we can use the container is we're going to give... The pre-configured NetScaler to the developer. The developer is going to develop with it, not configured NetScaler, but develop thinking with the load balancer already there. Therefore, when we move into QA or, or you know testing, they already had that in mind. They don't have to tweak anything. Yeah,
0: that is a that is a good point from the development cycle um, because you know we've been dealing with for years with shitty code and people putting hard-coded pointers to IP addresses and all kinds of baloney in mm-hmm. software uh, that if they actually program from a perspective of I know this service is going to be cloud-enabled it's going to be load balanced by default they would actually do that as part of their their normal QA process. Well
7: and and I agree with that don't get me wrong I mean I'm it's not that I am totally against it it's just that I don't know if we're if it's being approached the right way and, and part of that reason is because I've worked in this container space I've worked with DevOps and I can tell you that changing the mind set and the uh, programming path of a developer is not as easy as turning on and off an, a light bulb. So to have them to actually put a, a, a load balancer or you know, even a complex net scaler um, into you know, their development environment, that's going to take some time.
3: Well, well, what do you suggest? Uh, I mean, as we start building out more microservices, you're going to have to have some kind of load balancing service out there. Whether F5 is doing it or not, there are other companies. I'm looking at uh, um, a sheet here. One that says been is uh, Datawire, buoyant and there's some other ones that are, are filling that particular gap. So you have the smaller companies start to you know build up their own services, or does Citrix ignore that space, or do they go into that space and you know now they're able to do. Cover more of just the traditional load balancing, but also your micro load balancing, microservices load balancing. It might, yeah.
2: To Joe's point, it might be a matter of timing as well. It, you know, there's lots of times where companies do things at a certain time, and then the market's not ready for it. I think uh, I I don't deal with as many customers as you guys do, and I'm I'm somewhat regionalized, but. I think the real question is if if you find people that are actually committing to containers from a development standpoint, then they're going to be it's going to be easy to do that. If if you've got some guy that's still doing Fox Pro, then probably we're not you know that's not going to be where they're not going to be they're they're probably not even going to know what a Docker container is, let alone you know, taking the steps to introduce the load balancers
1: see, and everything else. Because I know enough to be dangerous, I, I maybe see it naively. I just thought, like, developers are building an app and it's going to need to be load balanced. Mm-hmm. So while they're developing it, they talk to an operations guy and go, we need a load balancer. So he throws together a NetScaler, they break it, they screw it up, they call the ops guy, he fixes it. When it's all working, they go, okay, let's move these containers now out to where they're hosted. That's kind of how well, I see it. Point Simple, just dynamic, you know, too. not like a big complicated thing. Just whatever no. load balancing or redirects or HTTP rewrites mm-hmm. or something. I, I need what? them in the app stack. Okay, figure it out. You know, stick it in there and then go go well, out. Let me give you a use case that I am intimately familiar with. Uh, a
8: customer has a substantially large NetScaler <clears throat> um, deployment. Uh, Lots of uh, different Netscalers, lots of different environments, and they're using Netscaler, honestly, as it's intended to be used. It's not just Access Gateway for them, it is the whole stack. Uh, Load balancing, application firewall, things like that. Uh, so they're pushing an awful lot of applications and they're utilizing application firewall to secure those applications. No mm-hmm, yeah, SQL injections, yeah, things exactly, like that. Right. The developers need access to the application firewall to properly develop their applications to not run afoul of the application okay, firewall. good. That's a good example. Or if nothing
2: else, just to put it in learning mode and take care of yeah, that. Yeah, see what and you're, you're finding, what exactly. the vulnerabilities
1: are. Yeah. All right, Mike, we'll watch out. We'll let you be the resident skeptic because we got a lot
3: of smiling faces here <laughs> on this. <laughs> it also looks like if you're going cloud-based, are you sticking in that scaler MPX to Amazon or Azure? Or, I mean, how are you going to do I mean, big-scale physical boxes into the cloud? You can't. You're going to throw a VPX up there for your traditional uh, cloud-based load balancing, but now you're starting to look at containers, small little things that you could scale out to thousands and thousands of uh, containers right based on demand yeah. so they can shrink and and grow dynamically as as uh, uh, events come in. The other thing is so, containers are a
1: full set of things so when you want to push an update, whatever changes you So make. how do you how do you scale VPX,
3: right? Yeah. You have to you manually implement another one. How do you right. how do you how do you make that dynamic?
7: Well, we can't even get we can't even get net scalers in Azure yet so. That's a little problem.
1: Oh, there. What, what's lacking there, Mike? There's just one public IP. That's oh, all one public have. IP. Okay.
4: You can have up to two uh, NICs. Okay. But only one public IP. Okay. That's gotcha. Today. Okay. I, I guess also the adoption coming from a company before you know I went to the partner side. That was um, you know a lot of developers. It's also going to come down to pricing. You know, if it's if it's going to be very expensive to deploy to my 500 developers, it then better
8: my, it better hadn't be. I mean, it better hadn't be much more than... Free. I mean, you're yeah, free, yeah, really. Really, we want you to develop on this platform, and here's the way we're going to give you to do it. Now, granted, free is, okay, you're going to have uh, a 1 megabit, 10 megabit limit or something like that because it's going to be one or a small team of developers that's going to have access to this. But, yeah, this should not be have any cost whatsoever if you want to push adoption. But that was oh, the head? one cut
4: you my... Know, yeah. Head,
8: right? oh. Yeah,
1: they didn't... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they know. It's a whole different sort it's of still thing. still so well, early. You yeah. so yeah. Well, you heard yeah. something that hasn't even yeah. shipped. You yet. heard our recommendation here first. Free.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's, so that's what I brought up.
7: I brought up on the... Go ahead. I was just going to say that was another thing that I brought up on a, a previous call that we've had is that uh, I don't know how Citrix is going to handle licensing on this thing. I'm sure they don't even know yet. But, you know, think about it. If containers are meant to be deployed. Instantaneously, you know, deployed and and destroyed um, on a frequent basis. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly sure the current NetScaler license philosophy won't work won't work in that world. So like pay for what you eat. Like well, when they spin
1: up, they register somehow and then that becomes the Anton. And, and,
7: and that could be it. I just don't know if it's going to be like on a on a per container basis or you buy, you know, oh I can run a hundred instances with a hundred pack of, of licenses. I I don't know how they're gonna do it. But it'll Anton, be interesting to find that out.
8: Anton, speak up, because that's a that's an important point. Did we lose Anton? tweeting. All right, guys, I'm sorry. There we go. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go ahead and go ahead and, and vocalize your tweet because I think that's important.
6: Yeah, well, Oscar and actor is. We talk about it already. You can only have one public IP, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. I think we. I think we. So have it's it's very difficult. About uh, you can do content switching though, but. For some NetScaler gateway, or you need unified gateway, etc., to to run all the services properly on uh, on the NetScaler box itself.
9: Yeah, mm-hmm.
6: and, you want and to the- have the freedom uh, to have multiple public IPs to, to separate different services.
0: And then there's the challenges with content switching in V servers, right? Which exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about NetScaler as much as we all love networking. And, oh, my God, the SD-WAN demo was yeah, hilarious. It yeah. yeah. was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Why don't you
7: describe it for the listeners? Yeah. Was, he really, was he really cutting that cable? I, he was actually no, no, really.
1: He was, was real. Okay. okay.
9: it was real.
7: That was, that
0: was real. So so basically what they walked through, and I'm hoping they do that demo again for Synergy because it was just so comical. It will probably not be able to replay all of Abhishek's intricacies and his hilarious comic sense, but the demo was awesome. They showed uh, the SD-WAN technology, which is you know what Citrix is bringing out to the market to be able to do bonding and aggregation of multiple pipes uh, and be able to do failover instantaneously without having to reconnect and they were doing a it was either Skype or some type of go to meeting type of session Skype was Skype, uh, Skype. With, uh, Skype. Skype. Uh, Scott Lane and uh, so Scott Lane was on the Skype session and they were cutting cables and all this kind of stuff basically failing all these internet connections and the thing was staying up but the funniest thing was he was cutting you know, with these big old cable cutters mm-hmm. that looked like he was ready to like take out some lock boxes or something it <laughs> was like
8: let's go, let's go to town. And he was cutting these Cat5, Cat6 cables. And then so, he got up the hammer for the, uh, for the LTE hotspot. Yeah. <laughs> so they
0: said oh, those great, demos great, were going to be available down in the, uh, the Solutions Expo, but you can't bring a hammer. So you've got to leave your hammer at home. So anyways, um, so networking is obviously a big trend. I think, you know, we've been seeing that in the last uh, last week or so at Summit. Citrix is really putting a lot of emphasis on the networking side so I think it's safe to say that Citrix is not divesting any interest whatsoever in, ne- in okay. networking, yeah. in fact they're if anything doubling down and doing more emphasis on networking because it's kind of the fulcrum to enable all of these any 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 applications, data,
1: desktops. One comment on that is Citrix was historically, historically any 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 device, any mm-hmm. connection, um, any location but now they've added to the story data as an equal partner right so they talk mm-hmm. about apps Network and the data equally. And I think that's really good. How because, long have we been saying that? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, everything yeah. they do, we've been saying. Yeah, but, I mean, that's <laughs> they're, kind of they're given, catching up, <laughs> right? But but they're giving it the equal placement, and I think that's really powerful. That's where the value is, and that's the
4: focus, right? Mm-hmm. Any 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 now also means your data. Absolutely, and that's has to. that's really cool. So I yeah. so a question for you guys on the as the wants as you guys are way smarter than myself, but when, when are we going to see the ASEAN 1 applied to the, receiver to, the receiver to get away from things like net motion that are running on police cars, you know, that aggregate a, you know, IP IP in, in the different yeah. connections mm-hmm. on, the, on the client side? Right. So, I yeah. haven't
1: heard anything about that because everything I've seen has been kind of point to point, you know, or yeah. like a star. I mean, but the old orbital stuff, case. the orbital WAN scale or WAN optimization has a client. So maybe that could help you. I mean, so I tried it. that
4: on a police car because of a client yeah. and that didn't work. And they said it's, it's, a, it's an issue of the protocols and having, right. you know, Wi-Fi mm-hmm. you know, and cell phone, right, and, exactly. and uh, Ethernet and, over... And maybe I can...
8: And let, let's see. The example I have in my head I have to be careful with. Let me, let me think about how I'm going to put this. Um, military theater operations. Uh, there is a desire to put a lot of technology on your average soldier and there is a further desire to aggregate that technology onto a mobile platform. Could be as easy as a Humvee, very honestly, where um, you then have this redundant connectivity uh, where all of that Battlefield data can then get reflected back to the Battlefield Commanders. I mean, we're, we're kind of talking Ender's game kind of stuff going on here, but, which is really cool. But, uh, you know, that, that's an interesting example uh, for that kind of thing you know it, it, uh, the data you know not only not only uh, are we uh, is the data very important uh, in this particular scenario but how the data gets from point A to point B is equally as important oh, yeah. and redundancy yeah. is equally right. as important. Right.
1: Well and that's where I think and I don't know what it's called this week I, I thought of it as Cloud Bridge but he was calling it SD but the multiple links Citrix's approach is pretty unique there's been other products out there um, you know that pipe and others that kind of pioneered this, but they're doing some really cool application layer logic with quality of service and mm-hmm. using the links in really unique ways. How much, I wonder, is is the influence of not only the
8: technology, but the people of FrameHawk coming into all this? Because you're you're starting to see, like, not only the compression and, right. the, and the predictive technology that FrameHawk brought, but I'm kind of iterating and seeing some uh, really smart people doing some really smart things and I'm wondering where that brain power is coming from and I'm thinking well, from that side. That's
1: definitely happening where I saw it for sure was the Raspberry Pi Thin Links Clinic uh-huh. uh, a Thin Client on the expo floor. Me and Eduardo hung out with for quite a while mm-hmm. and all, all of those guys are brain hops a big influence mm-hmm. all the compression protocols the new thin wire and the stuff they're doing is Really, really, really cool. Awesome. So, we know it's it's getting people thinking and, and doing great stuff. Yep, absolutely. So, uh,
0: one of the things I do want to talk about because it is public, uh, it's not a NDA content or anything. Um, so, there is a lot of talk about adding, re adding value into the platform uh, license edition.
9: Yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, there were some blog posts out there, and, you know, the, the announcement of uh, some technology that Citrix is acquiring. Um, Alex, if you're out there, why don't you, uh, because it's all public and you've read the same blogs we have, why don't you share what's going on?
5: Yeah, uh, let's just start with uh, saying we told you so, right? (laughs) Uh, I remember like two, three years ago, there was some guy from, I don't want to mention his name, he was uh, British, I think, he came over to Norway and sat down in a meeting with us, and uh, uh, yeah, he basically told us that... You need to sell 75% Send desktop. Absolutely. Yeah, which everybody says in their sane mind would know that this is bullshit. So adding value to platinum is the right way to go because you know um, the, the last couple of years, the in my mind after they cut off uh, actually uh, edge site, uh, the value of um, the real value of the platinum feature, at least for Sen, Sen app was gone. So getting the Comtrade stuff into and I know a couple of guys have have mixed feelings about the uh, who uses this stuff and who does not use it. I know Mike uh, went on about that earlier today. Um, that 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 uh, shows. Yeah, time 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 will show if that will actually end up being uh, used or not. But I mean,
0: Alex, what what talk about some of the specifics of things that they're doing um, uh, around the platinum value?
5: Yeah, you know uh, the the upcoming 7.8 release, which incorporates the app discs. Uh, uh, not the, the, is app disc for every uh, version of it, or uh, only yes. platinum?
0: No. Yes, yeah, so they, right. they have been public about that. App Disk is going to be available in every edition of uh, ZenAppZen Desktop, so it's really you know dropping that barrier to entry to zero. Um, okay. But the uh, the App DNA integration for AppDisk is yeah. going to be a platform only feature. Yeah,
5: that is a good feature because you know if you're uh, if you're gonna upgrade any uh, if App Disks. In the next step, you know, if you're going from Office, blah blah, to Office version next, for instance, you want to do AppDNA to analyze the situation, what will and what will not happen if you do the upgrade. So that's a good uh, Platinum feature. Um, the other Platinum feature is is um, the uh, the uh, the Scum uh, stuff from Comtrade, which was uh, bought off in not yep. the whole company but uh, the, the bits and pieces of the management packs that um, Comtrade makes Yeah, so let's, for, the, uh, for their workspace suite
0: let's so, talk about that a little bit for any of the listeners that aren't um, aren't familiar with Comtrade or haven't haven't heard of their technology before yeah. um, anybody either on the call or in the room um, use the Comtrade management packs for SCOM before and want to talk a little bit about what that value prop is all about
1: I've seen them and I've stayed at a Holiday Inn. If you want me to get a little high level, <laughs> <laughs> they're basically system center integrated monitors that are extremely smart about the Citrix stack, so they know all the components and subcomponents, and they can monitor the whole environment and tell mm, you what's happening. But not GPUs. Well, there's always I, limitations. No, no. There,
10: there's big limitations. So I have customers that use Comtrade uh, com- and
1: are very happy about it, but again, there's huge gaps in it. Well, that's a consulting opportunity for T. P. It, it, it yes, is, but so, it's also <laughs> people that gotta <laughs> <kind of laughs> be aware of. No, you're system. right. You're right. Uh, so, so but, but just wanna... to announce,
0: uh, uh, Thomas Popplegard has joined the room. Thank you for joining. Us. <laughs> 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 and yeah, what does he, he does bring do. up? The very first comment out of his mouth. But there's no GPUs. Right. Yeah.
1: It's like just to be expected. Right. So, which, which, which is important. But it's also we don't want to skew it because Comtrade has great value. It's really good at monitoring Citrix, and it has logic. And it knows the components, so it and, tells you, you know, storefronts having a problem. And, and I would,
0: I would say that this is a really smart move for Citrix because it does not, um, it does not eliminate completely eliminate the need for an enterprise or a higher level monitoring solution right. if a customer has budget. But for the customers that don't have budget, that already bought Platinum, that are get, aren't getting any value out of Director the way that it is right now, mm-hmm. that are missing the functionality that used to be an edge site, as much as we hated that product. Um, this is something that kind of bridged the gap between, you know, customers that have it as part of the license and the customers that want to pay for a more advanced monitoring solution, like an EG Innovations or a Goliath or a you name it XYZ product that's out there, SysTrack and others, right?
3: What about for the smaller guy that doesn't have that? That doesn't have Skunk or That doesn't, doesn't have, have Platinum. They, they might be using the uh, Zen server. Yep. Right, or some you know other hypervisor they don't have a huge budget where they can go buy EG Innovations or some other monitoring tool but and they don't have necessarily the budget to go buy systems on that. And they probably wouldn't have the budget to buy Platinum at that point. I so think if, it would I be cheaper for them, them
10: buying EG Innovations with a standard license from Citrix.
0: Uh, and that, that I would actually agree with so there's there's a challenge right now with the smaller guys right this this conversation about the SMB or the mid-market that doesn't have all this budget to buy all these things and the value of piecemealing the solutions together and getting best of breed components from a couple different vendors, as much as we all love Citrix, and we all want to see every customer buy Platinum and then some, sometimes it just makes sense to buy VDI Edition and go get the best of breed components from the other vendors. I disagree to some
3: extent, a lot of our customers are Platinum, even the smaller ones. Uh, obviously the, the value of Platinum's gone, uh, the, diminished over the years. but. Um, and one of the big things that was a selling point was sites right? That was a big selling point with Platinum for the smaller market because now you, they can monitor entire Citrix environment without having to go buy a third-party product right. or go integrate with uh, System Center, you know? So they had that complete package from Citrix. They're trying to keep the number of vendors that they have to support down to a minimum. I think so it's not a problem. It's a good I think point. it's not a
6: problem for customers who already have platinum. They, if they see there is added value in the new platinum model, they will continue their platinum licenses. On the other hand, customers who need to buy new licenses, they, do, they certainly do uh, check what's in and what's not in and what uh, it will cost if they buy separate products to get, uh, and, and compare them together or bring them together.
3: So one one other thing I want to add with that platinum value, right, is PBS, right. So even with a lot of our smaller, uh, uh, smaller customers, we do a lot of PBS implementation, which is a platinum feature, right. Um, so you know it's not that difficult to sell platinum to a smaller, uh, more budget-minded, uh, 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 organization. Maybe in the U.S. in Europe, it's it's different. Is it? Can you complain? Uh.
10: It's just, it's been pretty hard for companies to buy platinum. Mm-hmm.
8: because Edward of is price. Eduardo's bossing over here. He has an opinion.
10: <laughs> yeah, come <laughs> on. No, no, come The funny thing is also
3: it I could Because we did have a really good deal. No, no, no. Has, you know, <laughs> yeah. real but also, the
10: real world is most Placidum customers I go out to, they don't use all the features. Oh, never. Never. Oh, yeah. Which is insane, right? So right. why are we not educated?
1: Well, it's but, but also do this. The, the features kept changing. At one point, there was a lot of really good stuff, yes. and then there wasn't. Yeah. So, some of what this is about is good stuff, like password self-service reset. Mm-hmm. That's good. I was, but I was, but what about FDNA? How many? How many actually using FDNA as a place of a customer?
0: It's a <laughs> good, very good point, Thomas. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> yeah, think few, They so. all should be. Yeah.
3: Yes. But PBS, I mean, if you want to, PBS is more an app,
0: I mean, yeah. what do you?
3: Do you do yeah, that if now? you're
0: buying ZenApp, still that's definitely a good point. Yeah, um, and and that's a different conversation altogether. How many customers are still buy ZenApp? How many of them are buying Zen Desktop Enterprise or above? So that I mean, there's all kinds of dynamics that kind of go into that. Eduardo,
4: did you have something to add? Uh, I think you know Platinum, is there, but I don't. I think most of the com- the customers are happy with just Enterprise.
0: And I think that's kind of back to the point that started this conversation. Citrix is finally reinvigorating Platinum Mm -hmm. and bringing more value back to Platinum. Right. Because for the last three years, we've been going down the feature matrix and going, you need this feature, this feature, this feature. Oh, I'm sorry. There's only three features that are really critical to you.
8: Are are Netscaler Universal
5: licenses still part of of Platinum?
8: Yeah. So there you go. For the longest time, I've said that's the... That's worth it, right there. Yeah, mm-hmm.
5: yeah, and Cloud Bridge is also a part of the Platinum packaging.
8: There you go. So, yeah, you you, you uh, enhance
5: Cloud Bridge VPX
8: is, uh, People actually use that. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll, I'll do. I have so many customers that I'll go to and they'll show me their licensing portal and they'll come down to that line item and they'll go, What's, What's that? that? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like run away. Run away.
0: You need the you need the fail open Nix. You need the fail open Nix. Anybody that's done Cloud Bridge with WCCP knows it's a pain yeah, in the eye. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> so it is absolutely bad. Um but yeah anyways. Well one just quick comment is does it differs between Zen app and Zen Desktop, and that's going to become more unified now. But if you're on Zen App, you really kind of need Platinum to get PBS. If you're on Zen Desktop, what's that? Enterprise. Enterprise. Zen Zen Desktop is Enterprise. Zen, Zen, Zen Desktop, enterprise. Zen
5: Zen Zen desktop enterprise and Zen App Platinum only. If you're on if you're Zen App, on only platinum. you need Platinum. But if, if you're on correct. Zen
4: Desktop, you can get away with Enterprise. That's, that's what great. I'm saying. Sorry, and no, Services goes to from Enterprise App.
3: Not in Zen. Oh, right. for Zen Desktop. Zen Desktop only. Now, yeah, when you look at then-app licensing for the PVS, you they get, get VM-hosted service. apps with PVS, right. but you don't get then-app. Uh, Who uses
5: VM-hosted apps, by the way?
0: Uh, I, I have some customers that have some pretty sticky legacy apps that they use. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Want to
1: deploy the so for that few apps that can't come across the server host, so You don't want to give them a whole client
3: yeah. OS just to publish um, a an old legacy app for 10 users. It's
5: right? yeah, so it's another has. tool, right? But... Mainly, people want to use PBS. Mm, so for, agree, you, for the customers to get PBS, they need to buy ZenApp Platinum.
1: Correct. Yeah, that's what but if you have Zen Desktop, you can do it with Enterprise. enterprise that's with Enterprise. With an app so, and
5: the
1: And that's why I think in the future, more of the purchases will just be Zen Desktop, and then they may just deploy
10: ZenApp. So, are you guys think people are only doing PBS? Are we going into the PVS MCS? No, 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 no. no. We're saving our now. listeners no. from that no.
9: one. No. <laughs> 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 Boom.
4: So I guess the question is, of everything brand new and, or, or coming back with platinum value, what is actually going to touch the customer?
10: So one thing I'm missing is actually the user. The, the user,
4: uh, the user parser?
10: Yes. I'm really
1: missing that. Because
4: there's only one feature for the user,
1: which is power reset. So why
10: didn't I buy a Oh, you're talking about not. Yes.
1: Well, okay, but he did make a comment when he announced that platinum would include, uh, I guess, platinum would include the uh, DNA, and he talked about the yep. layering. He said that. Choose the layering you want to use. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the then industry. <laughs> and this one's here in case you.
8: Yeah, and then run AppDNA. As on long top. as yeah.
0: it's not app volumes. that's specifically right. what he said. I'm just kidding. He <laughs> yeah, you know, didn't say but the, that. But
1: the point is, they were signaling <laughs> that that's a partner ecosystem. Layering is, you know, Citrix isn't trying to be the layering solution. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, they have a solution. AppDisk. I, I would. I don't know. Whoa. I would argue with that? They. Don't get me. They
8: started. are trying. <laughs> I. You say they're not trying. I would argue they are trying, but failing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the jury's out. We don't. We don't right. actually have the solution in our hands yet. You know how good is it?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's a good point. Um, and there's been some hubbub on Twitter's about you know whether Citrix should just dump AppDisk
8: before they invest too much and just go buy Unidesk. So I know, I'm, I remember when jury's out first, on that one. When it was first introduced to, uh, to us at the CTP meeting, what was it last May? I think. Yep. I, I, I don't believe I've ever heard the room erupt quite so much as just I, I don't I don't even remember who was who was presenting. It, but I felt bad for the person because we just dog piled. They were about him. three
1: sentences. <laughs> in, and Helge said the words that I can't do a good German accent. <laughs> 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 this is ridiculous. This is dead. It will never work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is doomed to fail from the beginning. <laughs> okay,
10: so if you could do a bet, do you think Unitas you know will get acquired? I'm not saying Citrix. But just imagine somebody. Uh, somebody. 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 This is is Vegas. Come on, this is Vegas. Vegas. This is like AppV. You're (laughs) a gambling man. I mean,
3: aren't you really wanting like V in a sense? App V is almost the same thing without without the isolation layer.
1: Yes and no. Some of these newer companies are doing really cool stuff, and Unidesk is really (laughs) smart, and they have Mm -hmm. some really cool stuff. So I'm in Vegas. I'm a betting man. I'm with Thomas. I say yes. This year? Someone should snap them up. They'd be stupid not here.
5: Yeah, I agree.
2: Yes. Especially like, no, the uh, actually writing the check right now.
3: <laughs> 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 he's going to win that Ron will be Well, when so you have a
0: checkbook as big as Steve's, I guess he can cash <laughs> a checkbook.
3: <break.
9: laughs> <laughs> and
0: thanks for dinner the other day We really appreciate it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean he's got a lot of money. He just has a. Really large check. Like those, like those charity <laughs>
9: donations that give you are really he, um,
8: large <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Actually, so, uh Actually, reading the chat here, I like Andrew's comment. Maybe it's time for a distinct Citrix editions to go by the wayside. Should Citrix adopt a more cloud service friendly model where you can choose the features you want to use Ooh. and buy licenses for them as they are used? Kudos, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. Yeah. Um,
2: Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good idea. Yeah. idea. Okay, I'm going to throw the flag here. So which is it? Is it the the Citrix should be less complex <laughs> thing that we're going with, or, we or are we going with the, hey, let's make the licensing model even more complex? You, you know, Roy,
0: you're a terrible moderator. <laughs> Can you just knock it off? You're, you're actually trying to keep us honest with our nitpicking, and this is just not working out.
3: So we have one customer that's running uh, Denapp with PBS, no, they're actually ZenApp Enterprise, so they don't necessarily qualify for the Platinum uh, for PBS, but they get the PBS on the Zen server. So the old, the the old Zen, Zen server enterprise, enterprise so They get the entitlement for using PBS and ZenApp um, using the Zen server. Now they want to go ESX, so what do they have to do? do well, they just too, so we'll talk
1: about that when we get home. I mean, it's a <laughs>
3: complex when you want to change your environment, move from one hypervisor to another, do they have to like upgrade all of the well generally licenses? speaking if the partner is not as good as you guys
2: then they can't <laughs> do a lot of these big flippy switchy kind of things well, they just kind of let it ride so I guess
0: there's a problem they, you just say guys. flippy switchy kind of things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a technical, technical term. term
3: yeah. What does Zen server have to do with PVS? Right? Why, right. why would they have a licensing model around that? Because if you're implementing virtual
2: machines then you, you know if if you're going to commit to a hypervisor, and you know what features, do the...
3: and then what happens? Oh, here, I was like, we
2: don't get enough features. We're all right, so, so, Roy, <laughs> so, so, what so Roy, so, what so Roy, the, talk about your
0: hypervisor. So there's <laughs> been a lot of discussion about use cases, right? It's all about use cases. It's about driving opportunity in use cases. Give me a use case where customers would use PBS for non-EUC related workloads, not ZenApp, not Zen Desktop, other workloads. Web servers. Perfect. double click into that. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: What have you seen out there in the web? All right, so there's there's a couple of uh, the two major use cases that I've seen is if you want to scale a server workload where you can abstract the data from You know, from its application layer. So, a web server being a perfect model, you you spin up the web server, you point that to the you know that data to wherever. You're not duplicating the data inside the web server itself. Yep. Or if you have application tier or you know mid tier applications where those point to the database and that sits in 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 the middle somewhere. That's a a great use case. The other place for provisioning server comes into play is uh, time of use of physical resources. So I was with a, a customer of mine had, uh, they had, they did a lot of in-house development work for their applications. So one of their initiatives was to uh, increase the amount of investment they did in R&D, do better testing before they rolled out to their internal users. And they were trying to make a choice between do we improve our performance by adding physical resources to production, or do we add these physical resources to R and D and Dev or Test Dev, et cetera. So provisioning server allows you wow, to cool. you know, you start you know, they had their the bulk of their users started at six AM and were off uh, by you know noon to three. They were able to, to work shift their test dev. Later in the day, and
1: use the same hardware. And use the same. Awesome. And they
2: were just spinning yeah. it down and spinning it up. So, I, I there's a lot of creative ways that you can use provisioning services, but uh, that aren't necessarily the traditional "let's spin up some desktops today" kind right. of, kind of model. But it's well,
0: as the resident uh, Moonshot fanboy in the in the <laughs> audience, I would say, would that would, too, wouldn't literally. that be a perfect use case to use a cartridge-based architecture uh, like
2: Moonshot for these yeah. type of workloads? Mm-hmm. As a, an Atari 2600 fan, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of cartridges. So, I, you know, I can go with that. But, you know, sometimes... Sometimes cartridges are good. Right? Yeah. So well, hey, the other
1: interesting note that came up was the word Zen server, and it was mentioned more times in this podcast than at the two days of Summit. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. Do we have any, like, explanation for the lack of the X word?
7: I've got a big
1: problem with it. Other yeah. than the fact that David Cottingham's kind of...
8: Edgy about it. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah. No, but I'm also I'm like, well, what what is happening? They like they put it out with on the blog post and also you love Send Server. But why not choose the show the love? I think well, I the think partners. they are pushing. I think they're really pushing that any thing. And and you saw one of the slides up there where you know one of the anys was any hypervisor and Zen was in there with everything else. But you also noted just took some of the cloud products that communicated with Send Server and
10: sold to another company.
8: What is this the first about? step
10: of getting Send Server out?
8: Zen oh, server is open source, you know, yeah. Server is not going... Yeah, to. yeah. go no, ahead, just I'm just let's, saying.
0: Let's, let's let the, uh, the remote folks uh, share their opinions on this, go ahead. Go
9: for it.
5: I think that I think the selling, selling of the OpenStack and all that stuff actually makes sense because I don't know how much maybe Roy can elaborate on that, but I, I've not really seen that many customers so going I, down I, that road.
10: Like Saturday, I, have, I, have, I have some cloud providers, actually, who are using all the full integration, and they've made some pretty amazing stuff. Okay. Um, well,
8: but, and but I'm, to be honest, I'm
10: really sad with it, because I'm about to actually help some other customers doing the same thing what they've done.
8: Well, but again, it's just being spin-off. Cloud Stack will still be Cloud Stack. It will yeah, still work Yeah, but they're not going to with... pay some money just for that. Well they, are today. well, they are today. They are yeah. today. They lightly charge for it. Yeah. Right? Unless and, you got it free somehow. And then, then the announcement was that then it'll, be, it'll be supported it. and all that by the new company. Whatever. The November same price is
1: cheaper? Uh, we don't know. That, yeah. That's well, up to what, the, the cloud
0: platform entitlement has never been in ZENABS and desktop or anything related. No, so problem. customers that run cloud platform that use that for their automation system, even if they're running EUC workloads on it, are still paying for the cloud platform licenses to do that. So with Citrix kind of spinning that off into a separate company, they're still going to be paying for that. They're just not going to have a single vendor to choke, right? So
10: what I want, what I hope, I will see eventually will be
0: Workspace Cloud on-prem. Just for the control plane? Just for that. It's called XenApp and Zendesk? Oh,
10: it's Our products. Okay. they just spin off. Now, what Citrix are doing outside in the cloud now, imagine doing that on-prem. So that company sort of want to do that, build their own clouds on the stuff with
1: automated So you mean like source. similar
4: to Nessus 365? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, but you're talking about building an internal infrastructure well, with well, but a cloud, being cloud, being cloud, cloud cloud. Right, like an open
4: stack yeah. cloud cloud right
8: cloud. but then right. who maintains that infrastructure? Because if you take the, the power that is the workspace cloud and right. have the fact so that Citrix nice. maintains it and updates all the brokers and everything like that, you never have to worry about maintaining that infrastructure. So there are some people where they don't... Like they want to be in control, right? In which case, you don't have a cloud server again. It, it's it's. But yeah, in they my opinion, be, they, they want to be, pick, the yeah. they okay. be the cloud
2: provider. They want to be I think they're just a little bit early. I I, I think the problem is is that is that If you look at at OpenStack or CloudStack, and uh, cloud platform, what you're what what you have is is you have the. Small number of cloud providers that are that really need it, and they're putting all the effort into customizing that's it. Right. And and there's no there's no solution that's like next next next. You're you're gonna have to yeah have to you have to it. shave yeah. off the edges of the square to fit in your almost circular hole. Yeah, and it's so it's it's a lot of integration and work like that. I I, I definitely see I, it. It makes sense that it, it, there'll be a divergence of eventually you know sometime in the future that they'll be you know completely cloud-based customers and they'll be the the completely brought back in-house customers because they have the complexity and the, the requirements to to have that control inside but I think that it's going to take some time before uh, it's the the really large customers who are really good at doing virtualization and it's not just a handful of uh, virtualization servers that they, you know, it's it's a one. It, they almost still handle it like they did with physical yeah. pizza boxes. They're just spinning up VMs. is exactly. a highly yeah. manual process. There's going to be that point where where they really need to act like an internal cloud provider. That they yeah. that they have so such a need <laughs> for that automation. I think that we're just. I think the timing might. Just it just would have been the
10: great just to works workspace cloud. On prem to then um, with the other products discontinued now getting sold off, that they had another solution for existing customers that have Thomas,
5: to chose Thomas, just a quick question. Uh, just a circling back to the start of this conversation. Uh, what product are the customers specifically using? Are they using a pl- cloud platform or are they using all the old uh, Vortex stuff for what the company called it, which today is called Cloud Portal Business Manager? Good point. Yeah. Because I've I, I tried to uh, install both of them, and it's like Roy says, it's too complex. So maybe Citrix is doing the right thing with this. Doing the same they did with SendServer. Take it out. Roy's he's, turning red. So, yeah, you <laughs> threw Roy <laughs> under the
9: bus now. Someone caught 911. He's in trouble. He's in trouble.
1: He's polishing
0: up
9: his <laughs> resume right exploding. now. So so just just
0: to bring clarity for any of the listeners that aren't uh, really following along with what we're saying, Um, there was a press release yesterday. Um, Citrix has decided to sell off the cloud platform and cloud portal products uh, to a company called Accelerate. So just to get everybody on the same page, make sure everybody's aware of what we're talking about, Um, that that, that kind of brings it full circle there. Um,
4: So in, uh, yeah, go ahead. So, Dane, do you think that's, going back to the message we have heard all week is focus, 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 and not we do it as well because, you know, VMware has been creating a very strong product around their orchestration stuff for quite some time. Right. So in this case, Citrix is actually doing the opposite. I'm I'm just not going to do orchestration anymore. Right.
1: Well, I I think that that was Roy's point. Not that it was too complex, but that it's specialized for those environments that have the skills and need to do a highly orchestrated provisioning automation environment, and that's not your average Citrix customer right? So you brought up desktop 365. It's maybe on the low end, but that is an orchestration automation for building typical Citrix environments. So that's probably yeah. more the scale of what's needed.
0: And for there, there are, are a lot of other, you know, third-party automation platforms that are very enterprise ready that do very similar things. I mean, Insert yeah. buzzword here, yeah. Octoblue. Yeah. Oct- Oct- well, yeah. So there's Octoblue, um, and, you know, that is automation of anything, right? Mm-hmm. You just have mm-hmm. to invest the time to make it happen. Um, and then there's more commercially available products like what Res has been doing for years, right? Yeah, so, there you go. I mean, there's lots of solutions for customers that are looking to be highly automated and mm-hmm. build their own private clouds for delivery of ZenApps and desktop or other Citrix workloads. Um, I think from my perspective in our patch that we work in, um, the conversation around what is Citrix doing in the cloud and then everything fragmenting from that point has been very confusing for customers. They're like, should I be running Zen Apps and desktop on cloud platforms? Should I be running it on uh, Zen Server managed by OpenStack? It was this workspace cloud thing with a public cloud connector where I need to be going. And so I think this is really just about narrowing the focus mm-hmm. and kind of creating a little oh. bit more unity around their message. But and if you just, go back
10: to uh, I still think, let, let's just finish that and say, Okay, so Sensor team is is really innovating for the next generation of Censure. They are. And so why, amazing. I, I, I'm,
1: I'm very disappointed. I haven't it's seen really anything in the, in the last two days. Well, I think the lack of talking about it doesn't mean there's awesome things. You know, yeah. there, there's still awesome things going
10: on, it's, but I where know, does it fit? But, but why not
1: show up the message?
5: Well, First yeah. of all, you know...
10: I you think, know, think maybe fun. they will
5: wait until Synergy. Well, no, I,
10: don't I, don't, I, don't, so I think it's too, too late for that. So right now they mm-hmm. made a, you know, David has made some really good uh, material on on how you can save money going away from VMware vSphere
1: and do pure sensor. They've done a lot of analysis on, why not share with the partners? Well we're in Vegas my bet is they're going to continue to innovate and develop but they want to not emphasize it publicly and just make it available and make it awesome but the message be a little bit more mainstream and the one that's popped into my, my picture of the Azure slide from Brad Anderson, holy crap the scale of Azure yeah, and what Microsoft yeah, is that showing. Is and, and that's why I think ZenServer's there. I don't believe they're going to kill it. But, I think but you know ZenServer got some pretty awesome numbers. Why, yeah, why don't I, we see the numbers yeah, with ZenServer? Awesome. What are okay. doing okay. do well, in the world? But right? look at this, Azure, 1.5 million SQL <laughs> databases.
3: Yeah. 90,000. Send server has
10: some pretty awesome numbers. 500
3: million yeah, users in Azure AD. <laughs>
10: so 1.5 trillion <laughs> messages. Okay, so per well, How many well, GPUs yeah. is running on Send server? How many clouds are running on Oh, it's on about GPU now. Yeah. Yeah. it's about <laughs> GPU. Oh, 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 my okay, God.
0: If we're going to go there, like, why don't we talk about some of the GPU stuff that Azure announced, right? I mean, so I mean, Microsoft was, is getting in, they're coming around, they're seeing oh, my God, Hyper-V is not going to survive if we don't do something about GPUs. So I I think I, I don't want to say it's too late for Microsoft. I think they're getting there, and I think they're making their... Platform. Getting there, the pass-through, it's super expensive. You know, all the stuff, when I look at the tier of what they have, it's the
10: most expensive CPU. You're talking about an storage. Azure instance? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, that's have super... Have you compared it to it's an AWS instance?
0: It's super neat. Have, have you compared it to an AWS instance? I'd be curious what that comparative uh, difference is between... A beefy it's Azure instance available. with a GPU? It's not, a beefy in beta. AWS. it's not available
1: in beta even yet, so I'm like, you know, unless you can't tell. Yeah. Well, the other thing I think in that Microsoft Azure discussion that really stands out to me was they're building the features first in Azure and hardening them, battle hardening, and then they become a feature of Server 2016. So we've reached a critical mass where cloud is first yeah. and on prem is second. So, and, and, so, and we'll
0: just be clear and say, that comes to Hyper-V. That doesn't necessarily mean that feature makes it anywhere near their System Center product line, which is lipstick on a pig if you're managing a private <laughs> cloud environment.
3: I don't. As far as server competition, don't talk bad about
9: my X, Y. wife As far as server competition
3: goes, the worst places among the hypervisors. I don't necessarily think of it as a core for Zen app and then desktop. Right? When you think about so just focusing on the core, what do they need to focus on? They need to focus on Zen apps and desktop, PVS. Um, what else is there? <laughs> that's about it. Taylor. <laughs> <Matt> Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> <S-T-W-N>. <laughs> that's Taylor. That's Taylor. That's WAN, That's
10: core. Um, I don't see them so, the,
3: then, so the i
10: experienced HTX, right? What? HTX. D- yeah, I mean, now you can
3: do that on, the you know, the five-letter uh Oh no hypervisor. Nope. nope. <laughs> they
0: can't be named. Oh you're talking about HTX3D Pro. He's talking about protocol. You're talking about the GPU yeah. stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um so what what other things? So we talked about the uh, I do have one thing with GPUs. Yeah, do it. One browsers thing, the the
9: Absolutely. Some I want like, to hear about I'm,
7: the
10: browsers. I'm like, okay, so I'm like you know that new service, the browser. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's, that's it's I'm like Okay, performance, okay, where's the GPUs? Come on. Well, here, okay, so let's talk Build about it that. on your own. Because this is, is a
4: big so message. There's an on-prem on the option yeah. for it, right? There's an on-prem, and that's what you build your right. on.
1: But let's talk about that, because that's a big theme here, and we yeah. didn't hit it. Um, we're literally is... talking about more than 50% of the apps customers delivering now are web-based. Yeah. But it does not mean that everyone just needs a browser, because there's all kinds of plugins, security oh, yeah. considerations... Yep, getting to yep. GPU. We always got your and back. And <laughs> back. <laughs> we'll get to GPU in a minute. Um, but this is big because we do this, right? We've been in the field a long time, and our customers are doing 50% plus web apps. And guess what? We run a Munzen app. Mm-hmm. And we silo them because they have, or we app V their plugins, their components, their JVMs. So I think that finally seeing Mine. the kinds of things yeah. we've been saying. Customer I'm working on right now, 80%
8: is published IE. Right. Eighty percent. But you can't give them a generic
1: browser, you have to give them a browser with all kinds of plugins and special
8: Oh, we have three different images for different versions of exactly. Java. Yeah. Exactly. Right. <laughs> how cool would it be if well, yeah. there's a company called Browsium, right? Isn't that the one?
0: Yeah, yep. Browsium's yep. one of that the That's awesome. a good one. Yep. But, but the other just yeah, just the one, one, one was the Turbo guys. The, uh, um, the Turbo guys? It, uh, it used to be Spoon. Yeah, it's not, it's not Turbo. turbo. Yeah. yeah it's not on. Turbo. They're doing uh, containers for things like plugins and, and modules and stuff for browsers, running
1: different versions of browsers on the same operating system. All kinds of really cool stuff. Those around. are great program levels, but just to finish the thought, what Citrix is offering is a browser hosting service where if it's a non-critical, non-internal resource, you throw it up just by giving the HTTP link. Hold on a second. Sorry. So for the listener. And um, they can now just, you know, have hosted browsers that are compatible with what they need. And there's an on-prem internal option, so if it's an intranet secure application, so you can just publish browsers. Now, that's all you need. You can buy that at a lower cost, but if you're already a App customer, you'll get that feature. So here's another perfect use
8: case for outsourcing, offshoring, things like that. You have these third-party vendors that come in and do whatever they do for a company that they need access to exactly that much, and I'm making right. a very tiny right. gesture, of <laughs> the company data. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> radio. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So um, they, they need just a little tiny bit of access to a little tiny bit of company data. Now, how do you do that for them in a very secure manner? Right. Mm-hmm. It may just be a browser.
1: Now, I could many say. browsers today <laughs> are deploying 3D rendering and relying on yes, GPUs. Web so now here's your opening. I set you up.
10: Yeah, I know that the browsers are using a lot of GPUs. Uh, I have been showing some analysis of the last uh, work where, you know, years, uh, and Citrix took the data captured and now they sharing it for everybody, also Microsoft are doing it. I guess, yeah. So the browser is using a lot of GPU because, you know, what does it mean when you then create uh, stacks on Azure or AWS where it's non GPU workload? Yeah. Well, it just used, it would use more more capacity, but it also used uh, software soft GPU, so we use a CPU for doing it actually, not giving the raw performance. That's GPU is doing. And, mm-hmm. um, but if I, yeah, you know, that's, but well, let's see, hopefully they come with that GPU workload together with browser when they do more. I think this is the learning curve of Citrix, Yeah, right? You want to see what this stuff, then when people that got some special requirements, you know, then they can...
1: But the one mode you could do now no, but is you, can... could, you could do the on-prem ZenApp Zen app server browser, mm-hmm. and you could give a GPU on those servers. Absolutely. So you can do and it. And I
0: think that's going to be a really big use case as we go into 2016 and customers are going, oh, wow, Citrix actually has a solution for browsers. Because I think the thing about the browser app service, so it's stuff that they're doing in the cloud, um, and they've had the tech preview on the labs for Workspace Cloud for a while, so we're not talking about anything that's... NDA or bordering on NDA they've talked about it for a while mm-hmm. but the thing that they're doing there is they're bringing to the forefront of the customer's minds and and the the person seeking a solution out there that there's stuff that they can do with Citrix as it relates to browsers that only the advanced customers have typically known about this doing rendering inside of an HTML5 tab with a uh, a seamless kiosk mode type of frame <laughs> around it that's really good stuff yeah Customers can do that on-prem today using existing Xenabs and desktop licenses that they already have. They can plumb GPUs up to those kiosk mode browsers. They can do that. But what this is interesting is is that it's opening up this new area within Citrix to go after net new customers, net new well, penetration targets to go talk to those people that need Citrix those. Citrix is also
10: all about emulation virtualization. So why don't they acquire they got a bad-ass product just for this. But, uh,
3: the thing about Browsium, though, so is not a supported
10: by Microsoft. Anybody want, want to do a bit roll on that? So <laughs> Browsium well, is saying
3: it's because it's, it's not supported not by, by Microsoft. Because Microsoft, Microsoft will only support you know certain browsers on certain operating systems, right? So Browsium is not supported by Microsoft? Correct. Yeah,
1: that's what he's saying. But also, it's what's today? The okay, twelfth. In four days, Microsoft will not support anything older than IE eleven. Yeah, yeah, like nine. Well, is yeah, then. depending on your OS. But in so, terms of the current browser, eleven. So, but uh, what I'm uh, talking
10: about Browsium, it's it's a vendor, right, where they're virtualizing, emulating browsers, making some. They're fixing all the,
1: the yeah, browser right, Cool. Right. They build compatibility mode on steroids. Those yes. guys
3: created earlier versions of IE and left Microsoft, and they put the compatibility, and you can assign. The only problem is now Microsoft won't support that desktop that's running the browser. So,
10: so for our listeners, I, so first time I saw it was actually a platform in London where browsing were a sponsor. I was like, who's this company in there? Yeah. I sat down and talked with them. I was like, wow, why have we not seen this? about it? Why, why have we not you know browsers are. Huge problem. Yeah. Who will acquire it? One, they will one get of acquired. my
0: very, very large healthcare customers bought it because of their Win 7 rollout. They needed it. They needed backwards compatibility for the IE browser. So it's out there, um, and customers are evaluating and using it. How much fit it has into the core of the Citrix portfolio, I think that's yet to be determined. Yeah. We'll let the people that do the the R and D and the the research and figure out who to acquire. We'll let them make those decisions if it's a good fit. Um, but I think right now, you know, Citrix is really narrowing the focus, and that's great. Um, they're they're spending some money smartly, like the the Comtrade stuff, like we're talking about. Yeah. We'll see how many other things
2: they need to add to that portfolio stack. But what go you ahead, can go. do today is you put you put containers on everyone's desktop. You buy everyone their own NetScaler as a reverse proxy <laughs> to <laughs> the web service that's running. I can't believe you're doing Yes, <laughs> my job is local <laughs> GPU. <laughs> so, so that's
4: what? the most idiotic thing I've ever. Heard, right?
10: Hey, you have not talked to me enough.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's be a boss killer. If we take a step da, a step up on what we just saw with browser app service, for me the important part is that Citrix release. They work uh, um CWC labs mm-hmm. back in synergy. Yeah. This browsing thing was the first thing that went out and yeah. within six months went from a concept to a product that they're releasing yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. So seeing that yeah. cycle that now is innovation okay. coming faster, so that that for me is yeah. the important. I part. think
1: that's important and there's two that's things in good. that. One is this idea of they're gonna focus is they're like like Dane pointed out, we've done IE publishing for years, we've done IE silos, but now there's a way for the customer to go, wait, Citrix is a browser company. Oh, cool, I want to use that. Well, you always could have done it, but there's exactly, a better right. way to do it. And you can do it
0: publicly. And, and as much as we have problems with marketing in different areas, this is something where I think the marketing angle on this is right. actually going to open up a lot of new opportunities. Right, so, <laughs> in the second so. half,
1: I just want to finish this: is that this rapid iteration that was stirred by Workspace Cloud applying yep. to other products, and it's freaking badass. Exactly. Because they're doing things quickly, they're releasing often. Now, the other thing they're doing right—got to give them kudos. And also the biggest critic is with the long-term service release announcement. The 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 problem that can cause is being addressed. If you don't want to be the bleeding edge, you don't want to be changing. You can lock in on some version mm-hmm. of core product that you're happy with, and they will support it unchanged, unpatched for five years. Yep. So you if, get the if if they bring that
6: to Citrix Workspace Cloud, then you got a solution.
1: You think you want them to freeze Workspace Cloud, you mean? No. no. That's not the point, though. You don't go there if you care about that's, that. That's okay. green. That's green. Yeah.
8: Field. W- wouldn't it be no, awesome?
5: Workspace Cloud will always have the latest versions.
8: Right. They, they, but
5: they, right. That, that's, that's why I'm afraid
8: of Workspace Cloud as well. So I want, I want to, and it's amusing how many times our conversation in the last thirteen minutes has come back to this very same point. All about GPUs. Because, because yeah, <laughs> really. Because I want to give another shout out to Andrew Wood, who says, so when Citrix talks about going back to core, it's not just product, but market sectors. And it's amusing how much we've been swirling right, around yeah. that this right. entire conversation. Yeah. Uh I will remind everyone again, not getting too far into what was up on stage and things like that, but I will remind everyone about the focus on mid market. And one of the things that yep. stuck in my yep. head is they said, "Hey, did you realize that I think it was ninety percent of banks are less than five hundred users? Yep. Like, yep. oh, that's mid market. How yep. about that?" Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's, and I think you know that cl- workspace cloud and and all the other things we've been talking about fit so very nicely in there, and it's then very apparent where all of this is going yep. that they're targeting that yep. mid
1: market. Great, and just to. Play a, a switch on the old joke. So why do you sell to
3: banks? Because that's where the money is. Yeah. Which <laughs> <laughs> is ironic they're a little bit more on the cheap side when it comes to IT infrastructure. Not as yeah. bad as the law firms are, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did want to add one more point to the uh, um, the about uh, the service, right? And one of the market spaces that uh, could really benefit from that are developers, right? Uh, especially you. Developing web-based applications, you want to make sure your application runs great on IE 10, IE 11, yep. um, Edge, Chrome, Safari. How do you, how, how do you, how does a developer, you know, test against all these different browser types? Or well, even if they're using third-party plugins, how do they test different versions of that? Right? So historically they would have tons of machines under each one of their desks They're running different virtual machines or, you know, some of them tried to do with then app and then desktop, but that licensing cost with then app and then desktop for that one use case became somewhat cost prohibitive. Put now the, pr- the browser server is going be a lot less as far yeah. as the cost goes, right? So if you already had yeah. then app and then desktop, you could supplement. Put the, right? put the, br-
7: put the browser in a container. Now yeah. you put
3: the browser in the container, right? yep. and, and, and now they can just connect to it mm-hmm. a lot cheaper. The other the other use case that I kind of really see for that are these uh, high secure environments that want to be able to allow the employees to get out to the Internet, but they have to go through some kind of like uh, jump host in order to get mm-hmm. to the Internet. So this is a way for them to, to connect to a DMZ uh, yep. machine right. and right. now be able to browse out to the right. internet so they right. don't necessarily have direct access to uh, from their client to back end web server. And again that's a great else. example of
1: something we've done with customers for years but it was geeky and not yeah. obvious and now when Citrix markets that way and gives you a nice little interface and you can
3: put it where you want it, it, it's better so I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Think and it's, it's really also good. more cost effective too to provide you know just basic mm-hmm. internet access to a really highly secured uh, zone. Yeah. You know, most, most of what people do at work, quote unquote, at work, which is
8: not actual work, involves a browser. People want to get to Gmail and their bank and stuff like that, Facebook. even though even though that might not be a good idea. <laughs> but, but they still want
5: to do it. So here's the pop question. Should the browser app stuff actually be a platinum feature or not?
0: No. The, the, Did you see the
1: browser app stuff?
7: Everything yeah, the, should be platinum. Everything should yeah, be platinum. <laughs> Long iPhone <laughs> for all. The
1: product, the, It's only standalone when you want to buy just that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the other thing that they talked about. Uh, so so we've been I talking.
5: Didn't, about yeah, I, 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 that was. Should, c- could it be a platinum feature, or should it be a platinum feature?
0: No. I don't, I don't think so, because the functionality to do all the stuff that they're doing in the browser stuff is just optimization packs for the core. It's not like there's any specific code uh, yeah. other than making it simple to deploy a kiosk in an HTML5 tab. I mean, that's kind of cool. We've been able to do it for years, but they're just kind of optimizing that whole workflow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what they're doing with the pricing and packaging for Workspace Cloud, now that that's becoming available instead of just in the labs in, in a tech preview, is is very cool as well. So I, what I would suspect is going to happen is that they're going to make that optimization pack available across the board. You just have to have some uh, Zen app or and desktop license level, um, but the, uh, the the browser app service where they're actually hosting the VDAs or they're hosting the RDSH workloads in their cloud, that's something that you're going to have to pay for because right, somebody good, has good to pay for that compute, yeah, right? Yeah, right, because yeah, right. they're actually yeah. taking on the workload part of it, not yeah. just brokering the connection to an existing VDA.
8: Right. So again, you have to think on-prem or hosted. Um, es- Esther comes out with, on-prem browser app has its own license and price tag. Don't think it is feature-bound, nor should it be.
3: I would agree, nor should it be. Yep, yeah. I would agree. And then it's, it's like a bonus if you have done apps and desktop licenses So now. Maybe you do have uh, a silo that you go to for your internet right. access, but right. you're also leveraging your published applications yep. uh, desktops <laughs> on the... Also on prem. Yeah, we just gotta get a, a
1: shout out to Joe Vaccaro. I guess he's listening. He's like, Are you guys here? I want to crash your party. So I told him room three oh eight, yeah. come on up. Exactly. <laughs> I think he overheard all this
0: talk about workspace cloud. He's like, Well, what's what? talking about? Who's talking about, who's talking about <laughs> me? Somebody's
1: talking about me. <laughs> well, in case he doesn't make it in time, workspace cloud is just it's it's awesome. It's it's a whole new generation of thinking, the fast iteration, the control plane in the cloud, and that Ooh. concept is permeating, it really, I think it came from ShareFile fundamentally, but now it's permeating other products, and it's really, really powerful. It, to me, it's the practical hybrid cloud. You put the stuff in the cloud that you don't want to deal with, like the management, but your workloads are where you want them. So shout-out to Joe. Hopefully he makes it before we
4: shut down. <laughs> Should we talk about ShareFile while he comes here? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Um, do
0: you have anything?
4: Well, I think, I think ShareFile for me, and I, I tweet about doing it, presentation, Shareful is one of the two best products Citrix has right now. As a customer, I use it a lot. Um, my CIO went from a POC of 50 users to a 500. And then HR got the you know, the workflow, in the handle. and within a, two months, we went from 50 to 2,000 licenses when I was a customer, just because how easy it is. Yeah. Um, seeing finally a demo of the DLP part working, it was fantastic, because I personally have never implemented the DLP part. Um, so are being, you talking about the old components or the new stuff?
3: The new stuff. The new, stuff. The new, the new DLP, new stuff. DLP stuff. That was that was impressive. Yeah. That was very very impressive. Hey, go ahead and explain that, because there might be some people who don't understand what the DLP integration is. Yeah, and they, they actually announced that. Well, but Jay's in.
1: here. Why doesn't he come over and explain it? You want to come hey. over? Hey, Jay, hey, Jay. Jay
9: Tomlin. Yeah. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> come on down. You're the next contestant on the podcast. Is live. Cool.
0: <laughs> Bye. So everyone uh, in in the room here, we have Jay Tomlin who is the man, the myth, the legend for all things Sharefile at Citrix. Yes. Um, so thank you for joining us.
1: coming off a successful and awesome demo. He's yes. just been it's
0: overhearing us talk about every other product and going, when are they going to talk about Sharefile? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because I saw him that I was
11: <laughs> <laughs> We know you were a plant, Eduardo. <laughs> So little, yeah, total coincidence. This wasn't so, 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 yeah. so yeah,
4: I mean,
0: we've we've kind of been tiptoeing on like what's India, what's not India. I think you guys yeah. have done some announcements around the DLP
11: stuff. So yeah, the like, DLP stuff has been live for a while. We actually um, announced it at Synergy last year. Yep. And um, so that's in production. Everything that we showed today is in production and, okay. and fully generally available. So cool. no, the secrets were able to go blow the trumpet on that.
1: Very cool. So in your demo, you sent uh, some files to Anna. Right. And one of them was something you shouldn't have sent. It was filled with user um, social security numbers. Right. And thanks for that, by the way, because I retrieved that. And <laughs> <put it. laughs> could, could could you didn't screenshot? <laughs> <laughs> then we watched you hack into her Gmail account <laughs> and look at her received mail. And the two other files, which were okay, yeah. were able to be downloaded, but the one with the sensitive data wasn't. That's right. So you
11: tell us how, how that happened? So uh, as part of the demo, those files started out on a network drive. So they're not even in ShareFile yet. Um, and when, when I created the, the link using the iPad app, that kicked off uh, a copy so that the storage zone controller, which is inside the customer's network, um, accessed the network drive on my uh-huh, app. So native. Okay. So it, it impersonated my AD account, got the files, and then moved them into the ShareFile storage zone where they could be scanned by the, the DLP system. So the, the store zone is linked to a DLP system, and it can uh, you know, basically find out whether documents are sensitive or not, and, and characterize them as such oh, in ShareFile. That's very cool. If you, if you start with a document that's already in ShareFile, mm-hmm. the chances are it's, it would already have been scanned. And then the apps will even uh, stop you from creating that link in the first place. OK. So the sender would be shown the warning message like, saying, hey, you can't send that file instead of actually sending a user a, a link that doesn't work. We okay. try to avoid that Yeah, we can.
1: Yeah.
11: But it made for a pretty good demo. It's a great they, demo. get the big message yeah. saying yeah. you can't download that
1: much. Is that, in essence, a connector, or is, is it being moved over? Like, when it's sitting in its native file share yeah. and you want to link
11: it, does it, it move somewhere? It does, and we struggled with that for a while. So the, the source of truth is the document sitting on a network drive. And just like SharePoint or other on-prem enterprise systems, The security model there is don't allow anyone but the intended employee to touch that file. If I want to send you a file that's on my home drive, how do I get you access to my home drive? Even other Citrix employees don't have access to my home drive. Right, right. Right. And so there's only two choices. One is you create a god level service account that has access to everything. And when somebody comes in with a a link to a file, it it points to the file in its uh, legacy location. Mm -hmm. And then the service account that has access to everything goes and gets the file and we run on the share file's behalf. Um, most of the customers that I talked to didn't want to go that way, Yeah,
9: right? because now
11: Citrix has access to every user's file right. and everything. So the, the model that we went with instead, which has a trade-off, is at the time when you share the file, it makes a copy in share file. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so then it's only the files that explicitly get shared that we mm-hmm. they 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 have access there, to, yeah. and we can take advantage of all the other bells and whistles in share file, things like... Uh, thumbnails and previews and web browser viewing, the, the DLP integrations, the view-only sharing, all that stuff works now uh, because it's a first-class item. To
1: share that document. sounds better than a God account, but what if you edited that document? That's the trade-off. Yeah, yeah right. now you've
11: got two copies, right? And if I make changes to the source location on the home drive, that's not going to be reflected mm-hmm. in the link that i right. shared with ShareFile. So you
1: would need, in essence, a new link. You'd have to yeah. re link it. And yeah.
11: synchronizing yeah. the two gets you right back to the same issues. Like, right. how do you synchronize all these, these files without... Yeah. Handing ShareFile the keys to your
0: enterprise. And, and in reality, customers are doing that today, right? They've got their home drives, they've uploaded to the ShareFile, they send people a link, and now you got two copies of Exactly. That, right? So you guys are just quick-stepping that, step that? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Make it really
1: easy for it. It's still a lot better than putting than them putting in <laughs> Dropbox now. <Exactly>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather have them uploaded <laughs> yeah. to a ShareFile <laughs> right. that's on-prem security. Exactly. Right. And got DLP and whatever
11: else you, yeah, you right. And if the DLP says the file can't leave, and the file never left the customer's premises. Mm-hmm. Right, it went from the network drive. We made a copy on the storage on controller, but it's still behind the firewall. Mm-hmm. DLP will catch it before it ever. Leaves. So um, did you
8: guys? I'm going uh, to pull something out of the chat here. Marius Senbu says it's going to be interesting to see the Microsoft EMS Office 365 versus this, since Microsoft is moving forward with EDP.
11: Right. So it's the same problem, right, uh, being able to protect data at the information level instead of at the based on who owns the file or where the file is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're going after the same use case. Um, of course, with Microsoft, it's, it's all one suite. Um, we take a little bit more of an open approach mm-hmm. that uh, works with any. Um, it works with Mobile. It can also work with other third-party DMM solutions. We work with any DLP provider. Watch the space, because we'll be doing more next year. Um, the I, think I think there's a word in
4: there. That word is any. Yeah, you know. any. So with DLP, do you guys work with cloud-based DLP, as well as with in on-prem DLP? Um,
11: <clears throat> with uh, the integration, as I showed it today, working with connectors and on-prem storage zones, today that only works with on-prem DLP systems. Uh, it it uh, uses a protocol called ICAP, mm-hmm. which is what uh, like uh, email gateways or proxy servers would use to, to work with DLP systems. We do have one cloud DLP vendor that, that's done an integration. For for cloud DLP, the, the work needs to be done by the DLP vendor. Like I, I can't just go integrate with, or I can't build something in ShareFile that, that makes me show up in SkyHigh as a DLP option. SkyHigh or Netscope or some other cloud DLP solution would have to do the integration with ShareFile. And that, that is something that we uh, we want to do. If anybody from that, those companies are listening, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're already starting those conversations. and. Uh, uh, and we'll, we'll get that done. But for now, um, the on-prem DLP integrations work only with on-prem storage zones. Great, cool.
0: Alright, um, just in terms of wrapping up, uh, I put out there on the, the tweet chat if there's anything we haven't talked about, uh, anything that we should recap.
2: Um, um, actually,
8: there was one other one I noticed. There was a question from John Furrier. Uh, what are the current workload distributions between on-prem and off-prem uh, talking about C W C. what about seamless workload movement across clouds? I'm um, not quite sure how we answer that one. I mean yeah. I guess what what in our experience is. Yeah, in our
0: experience. Well we know what your answer is gonna be, so on prem all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my answer. So that's that's Chris Rogers He works mostly in the federal and, and yeah. at federal uh, affiliated type of cloud. space. What's and, that? Yeah, cloud or <laughs> what <laughs>
1: Well, I know we're pressed for time. What if we get Joe and maybe Harsh or some other guys from that team on the next podcast to address that question and and all those products? That would be a great discussion. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and even just uh, for, you know, the existing ZenApps and Desktop product line, um, you know, Shridhar might have some insights into what they're seeing because cloud has been enabled for ZenApps and Desktop for a while. So, you know, customers have been able to do AWS. We have a couple that are doing AWS, um, and most of them are doing it for specific use cases right, for specific, right. specific workloads, and then everything else still stays on-premises. So that's kind of the, the scenario that we're seeing right now. And then seamless mm-hmm. workload, I mean, moving ZenApp and Zen Desktop workloads back and forth between cloud is, is a lot less painful than traditional server VM workloads, which are right. typically where the challenges are.
1: And, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Workspace Cloud has the ability to define... Uh, workloads in different clouds, mm-hmm. yeah. aggregates, but, resource but locations, I just don't know the details yeah. of
4: moving and changing yeah, resource, yeah, resource location. locations. Yeah. I do have a question for, for Jay because one of the key things that I saw in, in Jesse's presentation was everything is getting hyper-converged except the data, right? The data is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you guys said in the presentation that ShareFile can help us to consolidate that in a mm-hmm. single pane glass. Does that mean that you're going to eventually have connectors to OneDrive, Dropbox, so, they already have some. We already those, have yeah.
11: connectors to OneDrive, uh, Office 365, Dropbox, Fox, Google. and We're going to add more, SharePoint. SharePoint. Um, yeah, so our, our philosophy is that uh, hyper converged storage makes a ton of sense in a VDI type of workload where you, you care about IOPS and performance and all that. But storage is fragmented, and people end up with files all over the place, whether it's inside the firewall, outside the firewall. Um, storage is so cheap now, it's just everywhere. Yeah, we're not trying to convince customers to move all their data into ShareFile. We're trying to add value to files regardless mm-hmm. of where they live. Right. Right. right.
9: right.
0: Um, any others before we wrap up? Uh, guys on the phone? Uh, Anton, Alex, Mike?
5: Well, I think we covered the uh, basics. Uh, yep.
8: Cool. I'm fine. Uh, Steve Andrews, Andrew, Andrew seconds your suggestion about uh, getting um, uh, the Workspace Cloud people on the next podcast, and wants to know when that will be. Oh, <laughs> when will that be? Uh, well, it's the
0: middle of January right now, so somewhere around the middle of February, okay. uh, and I think that that would be a good uh, topic to to get some of the product dev uh, and product managers on from. Workspace Cloud apps and desktops, Zen apps and desktop, mm-hmm. and talk about some of the things that that are coming, even with this browser app stuff that we're talking
6: about. Yeah, so. absolutely. That will fit the well, schedule. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: thanks for the cameo.
6: All right, hey, thanks for dropping. <laughs> thanks for <dropping> in, Jay. <laughs> thanks, right. Jay. Cool.
0: So, thanks a lot to uh, to anyone that was listening live, um, or if you've uh, if you if you've been listening to the podcast and the recording, uh, thanks for joining. Um, You can catch uh, any of the iTunes or uh, your favorite podcast listener of choice. Uh, Catch all of those links on uh, EUCpodcast.com. We've uh, recorded this live from Citrix Summit uh, 2016, which is a partner-focused conference in Vegas. Uh, Today is January 12th. Thank you guys for joining. Look forward to uh, having you all on the next podcast, uh, where you can join live on the tweet chat. So thank you very much, and we'll talk soon. Enjoy Vegas guys. Uh,
9: See ya. Enjoy. Alright. Adios.